Good song choice. Dude, it stuck with me because I've been watching The Masked Singer. And this is like their. Oh, I love that show. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome to this week's edition of The Time and Place. With uh, today, we have me, Solomon, and Julian. Yep. And Abby. All right, and we do not have Dr. Oliphant with us. <laughs> Unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Zero academics in here right now. <laughs> but, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and today we're going to talk about identity, pride, and sexuality and how all those things tend to be connected in a weird way uh, and more often than not in a sinful way. Um, so, yeah, we will be talking about sin, talking about identity, uh, sexual sin, so it gets a little awkward. Here's your disclaimer. There you go. <laughs> so if, if you get squeamish, then uh, then exit now. But, Turn around. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, I don't know kind of like where we want to start uh, as far as like kind of what we're talking about here, as far as identity and pride and, and everything. Um, you guys have something you kind of like want to kick it off with? Hmm. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> no one wants to dip their toe in first. Well, okay. So let's. Uh, uh, all right. So it's it's Pride Month, and right. that and I honestly I didn't think about that till we start decided we we're going to talk about this, hmm. and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that does make sense. And then um, the Supreme Court just made that decision. Yep, and I was like, "Wow, we we can't, we we tend to keep hitting like timing on our topics as far as like the racism thing with George Floyd, and now um, this with the um, uh, civil rights decision about what the word sex means and what it apparently meant in 1964, uh, <laughs> but, but could not have meant. Um, so yeah, so yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now." Um, so I and I recently read this book by uh, Rosaria Champagne Butterfield called the. Oh, what a good Talk. name! <laughs> yeah, Rosaria Champagne Butterfield. What a, that's a great name. Um, the Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert. So um, and it's her story about. Um, so she was a lesbian professor, English professor at Syracuse, and she taught queer theory. She taught. Um, Marxist sort of leftist idea. I mean, it's, it's the the most liberal leftist uh, identity politics. She taught identity politics. She taught critical theory, and uh, she wrote articles. She wrote everything, and, and she was lesbian. And then she found Christ, or rather, Christ found her. Mm. And um, screaming. Yeah. And as he does all of us, um, <laughs> in pretty much the same way. But um, yeah, so this book is is really interesting. I'm going to be relying heavily on this book because I don't feel much authority personally to speak about um, these kind of things. So I'll let her say it because I could not say it any better than than uh, Rosaria Butterfield put it. But um, yeah, she talks a lot about identity and how that is the kind of driving sin behind um, sexual sin, all sexual sin, uh, and pride. And 
like ungratefulness and, and those kind of those are all connected. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of where where I've been with this preparing for, for all this. Yeah. I was thinking about it more too, not just in the sense of uh, sexual sin, although that is a big topic with the, the month is kind of based on that, like your, your sexuality as identity. But yeah, that's not the only way we tend to define ourselves or identify ourselves. Yeah. You know? um, which are also sinful if that's where you're finding your identity. Sometimes it's with work, sometimes it's with family, sometimes it's with hobbies. Like that becomes not a thing you do, but who you are. Yeah. In, in a lot of ways. And, you know, we want to touch on that too a little bit to when, when we were roundtabling for this, we, we had to kind of see how we wanted to come at it. And we, we all kind of agreed that there's a tendency in Christianity and popular Christianity and traditional evangelicalism to just kind of nitpick at sexual issues. Like it's a, it's an easy target. It's a, one that's not handled with tact and love usually. It's really just a come at it with a baseball bat and just take some rocks. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, the problem with that is that we've almost set up this binary to where it's like, okay, if you're this sexuality, you're wrong. I'm not. Therefore, I don't have this problem. And right. whatever problem I may have cannot be as bad as that because I'm this way and you're that way. Mm-hmm. But the reality of it is that we all tend to have – idolatry issues one, but also uh, pride issues. And, and that's right. kind of one of them. Like we define self-righteousness becomes our identity. Like, well, why are you righteous? Well, because I'm not that. Yeah. Um, something else. So that was kind of something we did want to kind of broach to. I don't know, Abby, what do you? Yeah. And also how we kind of talked about how sexual sin. Can y'all hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Right. Um, how sexual sin can go outside of even homosexuality and even can go into marriage and how your marriage can become your identity just like pride month becomes your identity during this month. So I think that was a, something we wanted to touch on too. Cause I know personally, I mean, I've struggled big time with my identity becoming my husband and me mm. trying to find fulfillment in my husband mm. and my husband trying to, you know, my, my husband makes me happy, but I was trying to find the fulfillment and the, I don't know, I guess the yeah. the whole wholeness from my husband that I can only get from Christ. Yeah. Well, I, I think, too, that's a thing about happiness that's a little bit – happiness is kind of the big ideal that we shoot for in, in life, right. especially in America now. It's like, well, do what makes you happy. What feels good? That's that's your thing. Go with that. Yeah. But I've, I've always thought of happiness as kind of like hunger or thirst or, or those kind of things. Like it's only temporarily satiated. This thing right. makes you happy, but it's not going to make you happy forever. And eventually you're going to have to chase something else to get that feeling. Right. What, what yeah. we're, we're substituting joy for happiness because joy is beyond circumstance. You know what I mean? Right. And joy right. can't come from circumstance or things. And the more we try to fill it with that happiness, it just runs out. Just like you're hungry again, no matter how good that last meal was, you're going to be unhappy no matter how good that relationship was, no matter how good that job was. You're going to hit a point where you're just not happy anymore. And you're just constantly chasing, constantly trying to find that fulfillment. It's it's not there. And that's something that's affecting all relationships. I mean, I feel like a lot of people have no drive to, well, if they're not making me happy, I'll find someone who will. Mm -hmm. And and that that mindset, I think, is a big reason why divorce rates are so high. 
because we're never going to be happy in our relationships 100% of the time. So it's about seeking it through and really coming together and reconciling, I guess. Yeah, I, I kind of thought a lot about um, Desiring God and John Piper's deal of like Christian hedonism and how that that of like taking pleasure in God and that being the, the kind of driving force of, of everything we do. Um, you know, you're, you know, I'm not a I'm not a father. I'm a Christian father. I'm not an employee. I'm a Christian employee. And how that's not. Yeah. When we talk about sexual orientation, transgenderism. We're, we're talking about identity politics, and this goes into race as well sometimes too, uh, nationality, ethnicity, gender. You know, you got the now, right now. That's the yeah. yeah. And but what, what, what like ultimately, kind of what the, the 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 common factor in all those is identity, and we're finding identity in our people group, in right. our uh, box, in our peop, you know, our our group, whatever it is, and, and um, everyone does that, and. As Christians, well, as, as all people, we should find our fulfillment and hope in Christ, um, in, in the God that we know exists. Uh, stop suppressing that truth and unrighteousness and actually turn to God. But um, as Christians who have had God personally, uh, salvifically revealed to us, um, we ought to be finding our identity in Christ alone, right? In, that, in, in everything that we do, in that, like, I'm a Christian employee, I'm a Christian father, I'm a Christian friend. I'm a Christian. It's like everything is being informed by Christ and His Word, right? So that, so that's where we kind of get with all these things. And there's no like neutral ground. You're always finding your identity in something. You're always uh, kind of identifying with something. But I, what what happens a lot is that Christians see their Christianity as like their weekend activity. You know, it's like, well, that's just my like. I'm Solomon, and Solomon is a father, an employee. I like to read. I like to go run. Um, and I'm a Christian and I like to whatever, like, so that's, that's all these things kind of swirl and revolve around me and all those things make up me, you know, and that's not how it should be. It should be Christ informing all of those different aspects of, of what I am is I'm revolving around Christ with everything that kind of helps, like makes me all my interests and things, uh, revolving around Christ. So finding our identity in Christ first. It's kind of like my uncle said last week when he said you have to put on the biblical glasses and you have to see everything in your life through those glasses. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what identity politics really does. It's not, you know, when you're, not, when you're speaking, you're not speaking. You're speaking. You're, you're not you. You're a white guy. Right? right. You're not you. You're a cop. Right. You're not you. You're a gay person. You're not you. You know what I mean? So like what you say, you have to take that into account of your your group and that's you know that's we should not be finding our identity in any of those things in our ethnicity in our gender in anything but christ i would say even not not even our religion because we kind of fall into those those identifiers too especially like the reform culture right <laughs> you know definitely has like well i'm a reformed it's like well you're a, you're following christ in the bible okay then you're that <laughs> that's what it is it doesn't revolve around your uh, Calvinism or whatever, <laughs> which I think, or your Catholicism or your Presbyterianism or your whatever. Um, it's, it's Jesus and the Bible. Like that's what everything needs to revolve around and come back to ultimately be rooted in. Well, and so. it's kind of ironic too, that they, the world around us gets that. 
Like they understand that concept of identity in a way that we don't hmm. when we have the, the truth of identity. Like the only identity that matters is what's your identity in relation to Christ. Yeah. And we know that, but that's not a concept that we come up. Like I never had that concept really driven in yeah. growing up in church. That wasn't a thing that we talked about, like seeing the world through the biblical framework. It was almost like the your, your Christianity was a fence to keep stuff out yeah. as opposed to – uh, um, like you said, the Christian goggles that you put on to, to look at the world and, and live through, it was a way to kind of fence yourself off from the world and not live through it, to live yeah. away from it, which is when we do that, that's where the vacuum is filled by the secular ideologies. It's like, no, identity is important and we're going to tell you how because the people who know are not. Yeah. And so yeah. how would y'all say this all relates to Pride Month? <laughs> well, I mean, identity inherently is is about pride. In this, like, I I sound like a broken record saying it, but every sin essentially goes back to the first sin, which was pride, right? Self definition. That was the the moment in the garden when Eve wanted to take the the fruit was because she wanted to define herself as like God. Like that was that was the thing. She didn't right. want to be in the position she was created to be in. They didn't want. She didn't want to be subservient to God. She didn't want to let him define the rules. And and or Calvin, actually speaking of Calvin, uh, Calvin had the idea that the tree was sort of sacramental, the tree of life, that it wasn't that the fruit had any kind of special quality that gave you eternal life, but by taking the fruit and eating it, you were displaying that you trusted God as the life giver, the rule maker, and the law, the lawgiver. So it was kind of like when we take uh, – communion we're showing it doesn't do anything there's no magic in the bread or wine but it shows kind of a symbol that yes our faith is in the sacrifice that was made by christ the tree was in the same way so the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was them sort of taking autonomy right like that's that was basically what the tree was promising self-definition yeah. we can decide what's right and wrong we can decide how we see ourselves and that's just a theme that's carried on the book of judges the whole every coda in that book is and every man did what was right in his own eyes like yeah that, what it is yeah um this is when i'll bring up <laughs> butterfield here um she, th this is a really good section uh we're talking about she's talking about pride and how that like fits with her homosexuality and, and all those things she says um i didn't understand and this is kind of like it's kind of lengthy and kind of goes into more like scripture and stuff which i'm going to get to uh, what she brings up the scripture uh she says I didn't understand how uh, I didn't understand why homosexuality was a sin. Why something in the particular manifestation of sa of same gender love was wrong in itself. But I did know that pride was a sin, and so I decided to start there. So as I begin to pray and repent, I wondered could pride be the root of all my sins? I wondered what what was the real sin of Sodom? I had always thought that god's judgment upon sodom in genesis 19 clearly singled out and targeted homosexuality i believed that god's judgment against sodom exemplified the fiercest of god's judgments but as i read more deeply in the bible i ran across a passage that made me stop and think this passage in the book of ezekiel revealed to me that sodom was indicted for materialism and neglect of the poor and needy and that homosexuality was a symptom of an extension of these other sins in this passage, God is speaking to his chosen people in Jerusalem and warning them about their hidden sin using Sodom as, as an example. So in Ezekiel, 
she, 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 God used using it, uh, Sodom as an example. But importantly, God does not say that this sin of Sodom is the worst of all sins. Instead, God, God uses the sin of Sodom to reveal the greater sin committed by his own people. Quoting from uh, Ezekiel 16, 48 through 50, says, uh, quote, As I live, says the Lord God, neither your sister Sodom nor her daughters have done as you and your daughters have done. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy, and they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw fit. So there, so in Ezekiel 16, God, God is emphasizing the sin of Sodom, and he's not talking about homosexuality. He's talking about the pride and the and lack of mercy for the needy. Right, and and what Ms. Butterfield is saying is that that those sins led to the symptom of homosexuality. So that that's kind of eye-opening as far as like what's the deeper issue here? It's not gay sex, right? It's pride. Right. It's like well, we all face that. That puts us all in that like box if we're talking about boxes and identity and, and whatever again, because we can all identify with sin. We can all identify with pride, especially, and not helping the needy and you know, uh, fullness of food and abundance of idleness. I can identify with idleness. I can identify, you know, uh, the strength in the hand of the poor and needy. You did, didn't strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. I can identify with those things, right? And that's what he's saying is the worst problem. So, yeah, we're, we're, I think we're more in trouble <laughs> than we think. <laughs> as far as that, That's kind of because when we talk about Pride Month and things like that in America – like it, it just makes sense in that context. Like that does kind of, I know we don't read ourselves into the scripture, but I can see how like, yeah, we're that we're gluttonous and we're lazy and we don't take care of the oppressed and we don't help the poor. That, that it fits us to a T it, it, the church in America is like that, but the country is like that also. Yeah. So it's, it's not surprising that we have that same manifestation peaked up here too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And also the sense of pride coming at an angle of like from, from the very beginning of Genesis, God laid out man and woman right? and how they almost formed together, you know, like your fingers folding perfectly. Uh-huh. And so the sense of this person makes me happy more than God's plan for my life. And I think that that can get that can get translated into even more than just this topic. Like this thing makes me more happy than, you know, I mean, it's not it's not something that we can't like a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, I can never be gay. I don't understand. But it's really like the same root issue. Like we shouldn't be thinking of it that way because we all have those roots that are manifesting just in different ways. Mm. Yeah. And (laughs) I'm going to bring up Kanye West because he's my hero and I love him. Um, I was watching an interview with him. Uh, I think it was with James Corden. They were talking about, it was after he converted, after he put the album out and everything. And he was talking about how much debt he was in before. And that he'd gone into like some massive amount, ridiculous amount of debt, like 30 million on his albums, just doing stuff. Cause you, you think, I thought he's, you know, a worldwide superstar. He's selling records like crazy. He's gotta be rich. And he was talking about how much debt he was in. And he said, the problem was that he was a perfectionist and that he wouldn't, he would spend the money on, on, on concerts and music videos and production. And I think when he made uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, he had a recording studio in Hawaii 
rented 24-7 indefinitely. So, like, no one else could use it until he decided he was done, and he didn't know how long it was going to be. So just run the tab. So that was the kind of money he was throwing into it. And uh, when he was talking to James Corden about it, he said, and, you know, that whole idea now to me is crazy that I was a perfectionist, that I could think that I could make anything perfect being a man when only God can make something perfect. And I, I think that we all kind of have that idea to an extent of like, like you were saying, like that pride manifests in something else. Like maybe I don't relate to that specific thing, but we do have that perfect life in our mind. Like if I had this thing, I'd be happy. But that, that's all I'm missing right. is that thing. And if I had that thing, everything would be okay. That would answer all my problems. I wouldn't feel this ache inside. I'd be good. And I, I, we neglect the fact that God has the better thing. You know, yeah. we, we don't want to trust that plan, that whatever he has us in, it's the better thing than what we wanted. Yeah, because we're looking at our standard of better. Right. We're looking at our standard of good. And it's like, well, what's, what's even my standard of good? I don't even know anything. Like, uh, what do I know? You know, but I'm, I'm over here setting the standard of what I think is best for my life and your life and your life. And I have no clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, and one of the biggest things people say is do you. You do you. Yeah. You do you. Do what makes you happy. And and that's under the pretense that we know what's going to make us happy instead mm -hmm. of the creator who created us, who knows all things that will make us happy. We think that we, we understand ourselves better than he does. Mm. Well, and it's, yeah, it is that be true to yourself thing is uh, of like you, if it's coming from you, it can't be bad. Or if you're sincere enough, then there's no way it could be bad. And right. you know, that's, you know, we kind of talked about if uh, like homosexuality was a natural, right? Is that, do we think, is that natural? And you know, I said, yeah. Uh, because like, so kind of, I guess we can kind of open that up and talk about it. But I, so I said, yeah, because we're born of the sin nature, right? Like, but I don't get where we get this idea. It, well, it's from the Stoics, actually. The Stoics said that if it's something is natural, it can't be bad. And that kind of sucks. That I like the Stoics a lot, you know, Stoic philosophy. Um, they, they get it right a lot, but not, but not there. They said, if it's something is natural, it can't be bad. Well, I, I naturally am uh, greedy you know, or, or like I naturally covet other people's things. Mm. Like I don't have to like decide that, right? That just happens, but that's still not okay, right? Um, you know, I naturally get angry at my kids or something, or I naturally get, you know, I have a short temper. That's my nature. I didn't choose to have a short temper, but that's the way it is. So if I say, do you, well, <laughs> what? okay, that's not helpful because well, I'm hurting myself. I'm hurting others, you know, so that's not, you can't just do you. So, um, I, I forget what I said, but it was like, do be yourself unless you're an a-hole, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's like, and it's true. It's like, you know, what are we talking, what are you saying? Like, what, who are you telling to be, be themselves? You well, know, I don't know if you saw this week. Um, oh, what is her name? The, the one who wrote girl, wash your face, girl, stop apologizing. Uh, yeah. Um, Rachel Hollis, I think. Hall Ellis or Hall, yeah. Hall Evans, Rachel so, Hall Evans. Yeah. They, they announced this week on Instagram that her and her husband are getting divorced. Like, they, you know, dissolution of their relationship. And everybody was kind of like, oh, I can't believe it. They seem so perfect. Because they, apparently they do a daily live stream uh, every morning. And they're like, you know, they're like, oh, they have perfect chemistry. They just seem like the perfect couple. And I was like, yeah, but their brand is built on pride. 
Like the whole idea is you first. Stop apologizing. Mm. It's all you. Whatever you want is the greatest. Like how can a marriage survive yeah. that kind of philosophy in somebody? It, you can't. Yeah. So it's like you said, like just because it's it's in me, just because it comes from me, to do you is a terrible philosophy to, to have. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's that whole postmodern you make your own truth kind of thing, um, you know, which no one actually believes that, you know, that's a that's a nice college thing to, to think and say, um, you, you know, you make your own truth or truth is relative right which you can't even say without de defeating the idea right. right either truth is relative or it's not it's like truth is relative was well, that true you, you know <laughs> but, uh, you know there are no absolutes are you sure absolutely <laughs> okay then what are we what are you talking about <laughs> that's you can't even like stand on the thought <laughs> uh, and and when it comes to pe things people care about i think i've said this before about like it comes to your money or your kids you start believing in truth Right, <laughs> right. Like you either have money, someone hacked your account, and it's been you've been fraud, you know had fraud, or you're not. Well, what is it? Do I have the money or don't I? Right. It can't be just both. Well, that's true for you and true for me, and I have my. No, we're talking about real things here. That's there's no relative truth either. My kid is hurt or my kid is not hurt. Right, and I want to know which it is. It can't be both at the same time. Right. So yeah, that's that's the whole you do you thing. <laughs> but I mean the the convenience of that. Especially in a culture like I was thinking about this today, how we talk about finding ourselves. Yeah, so that's kind of built into our cultural collective idea. Of like, oh, you take a year off and find yourself, or you need to go have this experience and find yourself and learn learn about you. Like, it's it's all about going deeper into yourself. Try to find what makes you tick. What makes you? What do you want to do? What is your purpose? Your self defined purpose. Yeah, self actualization. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and, like a lot of other religions too, like a lot right. of the, talk about yoga and like Eastern religions and stuff. That's what it's all about, is just like finding, you know, the inner peace or the inner you and how you're connected with the universe and stuff. And I mean, that doesn't just yeah. stick to that either. It kind of bleeds into like maximizing your time, maximizing your efforts, maximizing every like making you the best that you can be, best yeah. by, you know, your yeah. own. And we also have to remember that there are things that make us happy that are detrimental to our spiritual health. There are things that make our flesh happy that are killing us slowly on the spiritual side. And so that's also a boundary that I think that um, a lot of self-proclaiming like homosexual Christians, maybe it's not at the forefront of their mind. And that can come with, you know, sins that I struggle with as well. But there are things in our flesh that make us happy that we desire that are really completely and totally opposite of what we should be desiring and taking us completely further away from God, even when we may be trying to get closer. Well, and it's really hard when you, when you have, you know, when someone's kind of in that space and everyone is saying, do you, mm. you do you, right. right? Like everyone you love and trust and know and is, is, is affirming, right? It's like, what, of course you're going to, you know, not think twice or just completely any embrace any, anything um but yeah instead of again it goes back to christ and the bible like what what does that say and, and that's something that's so hard when talking about these things because i just think about like uh, all, all my gay friends and, and family that I, I love like truly love you know and 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 i don't even know why it should be surprised like like need to say that like because i love 
all my friends and family, right? And so it's a, that's just it's not it doesn't even like enter into the equation really. But then we've got Leviticus, right? And it's like, well, what do I do with that now? You know what I mean? And it's and if I'm going to call myself a Bible believing Christian, I have to believe these things about these certain sexual sins, right? Like that's just what it says. You know, you, there's there's twisting of well, the word homosexuality doesn't mean that, and it means pedophilia and all those things. Like, okay, that's not you know talking about gave up natural, um, you know, love for for love for each other, right? They they burn for each other, right? There's not you're talking about pedophilia, right? You're talking about same sex, and so there's things that are in the Bible, and if if I'm gonna say I'm a Bible believing Christian. I'm a Christian with a standard that of, of truth, not that I'm perfect or that I follow the Bible or whatever, but I, that it just at least exists. This truth exists, and I think the answer to that is, well, just don't be a Bible believing Christian, right? That's old. That's that's we're past that. You can be Christian, sure, go to church and sing and say Jesus loves you, but you know the Bible. That's, nah, we're not gonna, you know, we can take what's good. What we've understood now to be true, what we've understood now in 2020 to be wise, you know, through the Enlightenment and through years of um, more, you know, we have science, we have philosophy, we have all these things now. We don't need the Bible anymore. That's old, you know. Um, the love your neighbor stuff will keep because we found out that was true. The, you know, homosexuality stuff we're going to toss because we found out that's not true, right? And so it is this, like, chronological arrogance of like, well, we know no better now than they did before, you know? And it's like, okay, that comes up from a whole perspective of what the Bible is. Because if you believe the Bible is a bunch of books that are written by a bunch of old men thousands of years ago, sure, toss it, pick, pick, the, pick the good from the bad, whatever, and leave it. But if you think the Bible right. is the living word of God, that God breathed, that's a little different. We can't just toss that, right? And that's what Christians have always believed. It's what we believe. And so we have to deal with these difficult parts that that our current culture has made difficult to reconcile with with the culture, with scripture, and everything. So well, there's a flip yeah. side awesome. there too. Like, uh, go ahead, go ahead. I'll, I'll jump in after. No, go ahead. There's, there's right. a flip side to that too, where uh, we we do have those hard passages, and we kind of use them. We affirm them, like, yes, this is true. This is a sin. This is absolutely wrong all the time. And we say that from a place where we're not dealing with any of the people who are in that, right? Like growing up in – I grew up Southern Baptist. It was very isolationist. Like this is – we did this stuff. We don't do that stuff. So you weren't coming into contact with any of these people. You weren't dealing with the actual mess that's going on. Like you didn't have to get your hands dirty for lack of a better term. Like there was, there was no relationship to build because you just didn't hang out with those kind of people. And so yeah. you have this, this, this conviction built in a vacuum, and then you get out into the world and you meet these people and you find out, oh, I, I do actually care about these people and I love these people, and you don't know yeah. what to do with that. Because then it's yeah. like, okay, now the rubber's hit the road, and I don't know what to do because I care about these people and I know that their feelings are genuine, but yeah. this is what I've always believed. And, yeah. and, and most of the time you end up abandoning what you always believed because it was never tested. It was never a yeah. thing. You, just, you took it because it's what somebody told you, and you never actually did the work on it. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah, and it's all about building a faith in, in a in a Christian worldview. That it's like um, it's like being at a buffet and you have a plate. You know, it's like, well, I'm going to pick this and this 
and this. I'm going to pick this from Christianity. I'm going to pick this from Buddhism. I'm going to pick this from whatever. And now I've got this plate of all these, you know, smorgasbord of different things. And I've made my own spirituality, right? right? And that's that's what we all need to do is make your own spirituality. But again, this is the person who does that is God. So I do that. I decide what worldview, what parts of different worldviews are true and make them my own thing. I've created a spiritual worldview. I'm God. <laughs> like only like God does that. So I am my own God and I've created my own spiritual worldview from all these different sorts of things. And that's what, and, but that's, that's the sin. That's the identity. That's the pride of you think you can create your own spiritual worldview. Who are you? First of all, think you're evolved society of bacteria <laughs> making up your own spiritual worldview of metaphysical wisdom and all these things. What are you talking about? Like that, that just doesn't compute at all. Uh, otherwise, or I, I know this thing was, is true, or there's this objective moral standard here and I'm going to abandon it and make up my own. Either way, it's the pride of I'm making myself God by creating my own spiritual worldview. Right. And, 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 worshiping myself and i'll worship that way you know it's it's no so different yeah. than a king making a gold statue of himself and yeah. demanding everyone else to bow down to it you know and that's what we do you better affirm me and my spiritual worldview or you're hateful and we can't be friends and that's it like i've created this identity and 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 you better pat me on the back or that's it it's like well right. i worship a true identity like <laughs> christ yeah and I think that the word love kind of gets manipulated a little bit too. And you can see this out of the LGBT community, like, you know, love wins, love wins, like whoever you're with, love wins. But th that's been manipulated outside of this. Even so, like if you go to a music festival in the festival world, love wins. Everyone is so kind to each other, sharing, being kind, talking, hugging each other. You know, I mean, the music festival scene is like the hippie hippies yeah. of the 70s paradise i guess you know what i mean they started it but yeah. but it in that world you know there's no christ there's no there's there's it's almost like the differentiation of the love of the flesh versus the love of the spirit mm -hmm. and how i mean it's just such two different things that are just constantly like combating constant we're constantly butting our heads with it and so like when we when we really break down and like go towards the love of the spirit it seems like it leads us further away from christ when we're really just trying to you know it's almost like love is a good word all the time mm. yeah yeah and maybe it's not yeah defining it yeah it's like well what does love mean you okay know? Let, like let's say if i loved heroin like i love it <laughs> you know i love i love shooting up you know what i mean then yeah. that's not a good you know what I mean? You can love something that's going to take your life and yeah. take it away from where you want to be. And at the same time, this is kind of a hard conversation because there are many people in the LGBT community who absolutely do not claim the Bible or Christ at all. So to them, their only, their only identity is their self yeah. at that moment. Does that make sense? Right. And it's not just that community, it, the world as a right. whole. Like right. we've abandoned right. any kind of higher authority than ourselves as a worldview. Right. So right. that idea that, well, love can't always be good. It's like, why can't it be? 
Well, according to God, oh God, who who talks about that anymore? Who cares about that? Yeah. Right. Well, if, well, if God doesn't like what I'm doing, then I guess I'll hear about it later. You know what I mean? Right. But just the attitude, well, like I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. Sorry. Right. Yeah. yeah. I've had that in conversations he said before, where it's like, well, I'm gonna do this, and when I need God, then I'll, you know, I'll deal with it then. Yeah. <sighs> that to me, that's a terrifying thought. You know, like, and part of it is the worldview we're coming at it from, like, the idea that you, you if you decide that you're going to deal with God on your time, you don't know how much time you have. Yeah. And, you know, he's ultimately, he's going to be the one that balances the books, and you don't want to be on the wrong side of that. But, I mean, it's a different topic. Now we're talking about abandoning culture. Like, the Christian worldview is dead in culture because it hasn't been in culture for so long, Car partially because we we do have that buffer. We have that isolation. Like, we're not using the Christian worldview to analyze the world and interact with it. We're using it to separate us from any part of anything that has to do with something that's not the church. Right. Like right. You know, when I was growing up and you know, not, I didn't dislike it because I, I think the foundation I had was the reason that I'm where I am today, but that was the only place I spent time to an extent. Like we, we church was Sunday, Wednesday, twice on Sunday, once on Wednesday, uh, the, your youth group was your friends. You went, well, I went to school with most of the people I went to youth group with. So we're bubble. Yeah, we're in a bubble. Exactly. And that bubble, you know, it's self edifying, I guess. Like it's, it's good for you. It keeps you safe, but it doesn't affect anything outside of you. Yeah. Especially when as a kid, and maybe if you don't shed this attitude, it doesn't help. You have kind of that self-righteous attitude of like, well, we're right. And you're wrong. Yeah. And that's just how it right. is. Like, you don't, you can't build relationships. You can't, really affect anybody because you're coming from the pedestal yeah and that's how you're approaching them right yeah and that yeah you were talking about like kind of living in that bubble and there's there's a creation of the other right right and like we're us and they're the other and so you have never you've never interacted with a gay person or a trans person or anybody and you just have heard about people like that or heard whatever and 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 maybe just bigoted things said about them um, and then you go to college uh, or I get a job and you meet and you have friends, make friends with someone who's gay or trans and you, f you realize they're a person just like you and you like them and they're great and they're, they love you and you love them. And it's like, and then and that just like shatters your whole world because you didn't have this proper, uh, we're all, you know, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross kind of thing mm -hmm. where you know, some people are better, some people are whatever. And so you're like, well, they're not these terrible people that I was told. You're like, yeah, that's right. And then, and then it's like, well, then it must not be a sin. Like, and you just don't have, you have a proper biblical framework for love, for compassion, for humanity, for sin, for anything. And so all you have is this people, cultural churchy religious thing and then that gets shattered by a nice gay person and and you're like well there you go that I'm, I'm a gay affirming christian now you know and it's like okay though that's again if i'm going to be a bible believing christian the answer is don't be a bible believing christian and that's that <laughs> yeah, that's what that is and part of that is misplaced identity too because i think we like you were saying we we build our identity on this religiosity yeah right? it's religious like, identity yeah this person is part of my group so they're good right we go yeah. to church together we believe the same thing we're both straight we're we're good yeah and we're not looking right. at each other like oh you're as fallen as anybody else as i am and that we don't have the right perspective we don't we don't mm -hmm. 
we don't think about ourselves the way the Bible talks about ourselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to I read this one section because I want to make sure we get to it because it really like encapsulates everything that I think kind of we're talking about here um, uh, as far as identity and God looks like always taking your whole world, no matter who you are, mm. you, you know. And uh, so, so was already Butterfield she was very into like hospitality and having people over for dinner. And that's how she became a Christian is this, this Presbyterian minister and his wife would have her over for dinner for like two years. They just talked to her, were compassionate, were friendly and just loved her, genuinely invited her. Um, she says, um, I, I Which can't is a big it. difference because most, yeah. I'm sorry. This is a big difference because yeah. most Christians, I, I have somebody who's really close to me and I feel like, a lot of Christians treat the LGBT community just like you were said, like, you're not in my bubble. I don't want to talk to you. Like, right. you're going to give me cooties. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So for them to invite her into their home, for them to cook her meals, you know, however, however often have them into her home continuously was even such, I think, would probably be a big realization to her. Like, wow, like, I can't believe yeah. these people are treating we're treating me this way yeah. whenever most of them are just condemning me and telling me I'm going to go to hell and I need to change my ways. Yeah. She, it started, their, yeah, their, their relationship started when she published an article and again, she taught queer theory and critical theory and identity politics and postmodernism at Syracuse University and as a lesbian professor and she like was that was it that made up her identity in her work, in her scholarship and everything she did was just about it. And um, she wrote an article that got some, some attention and uh she was she was getting hate mail and fan mail and she would put the hate mail in the trash and fan mail in a bin and all these things and then she got this this letter from a pastor and she didn't know where to put it so it's not hate mail but it's not fan mail it was just asking have you considered what god thinks about this have you considered you know like what scripture all these things and she just didn't know it was very it was very warm it was very like you know different but he was a presbyterian pastor and so she's like well this should be hate mail but he's so loving and it's like where do i put this and um so it sat on her desk instead of the two bins it sat on her desk for like two weeks and and, and then so eventually she reached out to him and they started this dialogue and they started talking and um so she went over to this house she said uh i came to my kenan floyd was the pastor and his wife that said she said I, I came to my culture and its values through life experience but also through much research and deep thinking i liked ken and floyd immediately because they seemed sensitive to that even though obviously these Christians and I were very different, they seemed to know that I wasn't just a blank slate, that I had values and opinions too. And they talked with me in a way that didn't make me feel erased. And that's a huge wow. one. Like, uh, uh, that, there is a bigoted problem in Christianity towards the LGBTQ community. And that just needs to be addressed. And there's a lot of hypocrisy as far as pride and sexual sin and sin, identity sin that we overlook. And when that hypocrisy is brought up, we need to just, we can't just like push back, oh, well, this and make arguments like, no, there is, it's true. And we need to own up to that and to a certain repent of hatred, of prejudice, of judging people before we even know them, you know, and people, not what they may or may not be doing, but the person, right? When we ourselves have a plank in our own eye kind of thing so that that needs to be addressed and that needs to be there and i think ken and floyd in this story uh in rosario butterfield story really um touched on that she said ken and floyd didn't identify with me they listened to me and identified with christ 
So you talk about identity. When we identify with Christ, we're going to listen to people. If you talk about how, like, I believed at this time that God was dead and that if he ever was alive, the fact of poverty, violence, racism, sexism, homophobia, and war was proof that he didn't care about his creation. I believed that religion was, as Karl Marx wrote, the opiate of the masses, an imperialist social construction made to soothe the, existent, uh, the existential angst of the intellectually impaired. Um, said, but Ken's God seemed alive, three-dimensional and wise, if firm. And Ken and Floyd were anything but intellectually impaired. And, you know, it's just like ta opening a dialogue and talking with, with everyone, with, with, all, with all people. Um, yeah, that was just really great. And that, Jeff Durbin's talked about that before when, when they talk about these kind of cultural matters that we can't be, we can't be opposed to sins because we think they're gross because we think they're icky because they rub us the wrong way. Like we have our personal prejudice. We have to be opposed yeah. to sin because God is opposed to sin. Yeah. Not because we're just like, well, that's, that's a base thing that's beneath us. Mm -hmm. Part part of that too comes back to, I know last week we talked about how we don't, oh, two weeks ago, <laughs> we took an extra week to think about this. Uh, how, we talk about how we don't always believe that the gospel can have real change, right? right? I think to some extent we don't believe that people in certain sins or certain lifestyles or certain whatevers can actually turn over a new leaf through the gospel. Like we we really do think there's people that are beyond the grace of God, I think, as a, mm -hmm. as a evangelical community. Like it's almost like um, the, the woman who – was anointing Jesus' feet and, and wiping his feet with her hair. And the, the yeah. thought the religious was, well, if he knew who she was, he wouldn't let her touch him. Yeah. Like, we have that thought, like, oh, well, you know, they're one of those people. We don't, right. we don't want to get near them. Yeah. Right. Um, that, was, that was one of these sections, too, um, that I really liked. Uh Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> well, I mean, just on that thought, if we're if we're honest, I don't know, I don't know, Solomon, how like dramatic your I don't know what to call it, your come to Jesus moment was, but like if if I looked at my own objectively, it's like, oh, that guy. There's no way that guy's coming out of that. Yeah, we can't. Yeah, as far as too far or whatever, that's completely ridiculous. That that, that implies some path that we can construct through reason or morality to God, you know, just be good enough and do enough good deeds to erase your bat. That's completely unbiblical. That's completely in, in like the, there's some, that, that's, that's the, you know, television view of Christianity. And, and honestly, I think that's a lot of it comes down to that is that anytime television or movies or music or anything where Christianity is depicted, it's always the, the, it's always an unbiblical Christian. Right. It really is. It, 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 it always is. It's never um, someone who understands um, true judgment, true condemnation, true grace, true compassion that the Bible talks about. Right? It's always right. the judge you're holier than thou, and that's the Christian. That's what Christianity is in our culture, the Ned Flanders. Right? right? <laughs> this complete, you know, an idiot, completely unintellectual, completely uh, just a dope and, and just hateful and whatever. And so they reject that version of Christianity. And, and so many people have never actually reject, heard and rejected uh, tr the true gospel, right? And if anybody wants to see, like, 
what like a big difference like what christianity actually is i would write i would watch american gospel on netflix mm. because you really have the american gospel which is what you see on television and then you have the biblical gospel the actual historical traditional christian biblical gospel of what christians are supposed to be and, and what we believe in everything um that movie is so dead on of exactly like what we believe and and how we see things um biblically but um yeah there, there was that it was that section I, I put it on there i put it on the um it was the one i quoted about um mary magdalene and rahab right. and right i didn't tap oh okay yeah this rosaria's unmentionable past rahab the harlot mary magdalene we love these women between the pages of our bible but we don't want to sit at the lord's table with them with people like me drinking from a common cup that's the real ringer the common cup that is our common origin in depravity we are only righteous in christ and in him alone but that's a hard pill to swallow especially if you give yourself kudos for good choices mm. but people give themselves kudos for good choices is what you see on television that's right. the christian moral majority religious right conservative fox news christian which is just a complete farce it's just completely like you haven't spoken with a christian if that's who you're talking to and getting your world of like what christian is you just haven't spoken with a real christian i, I, I don't know how else to say it like that it, it what what it is um and those people are further or just as far as the gay muslim or whatever you know what i mean like there's no further away or whatever it's it's you're lost and found that's it but that's, and, that's the scary yeah. part it's, it's the american gospel because that's a chunk a big chunk of evangelical christianity in america is this moralism yeah it's an identity group i mean it, it, it's, it's just the same as i'm a liberal or i'm a progressive or i'm a whatever i'm a conservative and it's patriotic idolatry mm. you're worshiping yes. this the, the the declaration of independence as if it's a, a god-breathed scripture and it's not neither is the bill of rights neither is the constitution and i, I know it's like blasphemy to say that or whatever <laughs> But I mean, the truth is, America you don't stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> America can end tomorrow, and that wouldn't do anything to Christianity. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like em empires rise and fall. We could be living in this little blip of human history where the this country was founded on uh, people, again, slavers who who had a I would I would say a logical. Uh, a, objective morality that is true mm. but didn't live it and didn't right. exemplify it in their lives um as far as how they've used humanity as, as far as racism and those things but they they were pointing to the right document which is the bible right, right. I, like inalienable rights like that's something that only can come from a creator right endowed by our right. creator like no, no one else is talking about that like as far as constitutions and declarations of independence and stuff so i see i think that that's the right idea but that in no way makes America God's chosen people or you know, this whatever. And so like from that, you've gotten this. So, but there is that, that, that crisscross of that, like, oh, it mentions God or we swear on a Bible and we do, it says in God, we trust on our money. So that makes, does that make it holy? No. <laughs> you know? Right. So that's how you get this American gospel that really ultimately points to your identity group of my Christian conservative Republican, you know, box that I'm in. Right. It has nothing to yeah. do with real Christianity. Nothing. Yeah. And I think that the, the hierarchy of a relationship, you know, Christ, husband, wife, kids, 
And that yeah. that can be taken. Okay, so let's say a straight wife that is married is talking to a woman who is a lesbian, and she's telling this woman, "You can your relationship's never going to work with this woman. God didn't intend for you to have this girl as your wife or your girlfriend. Two girls together never going to work." And then she's going to go home and she's going to try to lead and have authority over her husband. And you know what I mean? It's it's the whole sense of the tier of the relationship is messed up in all of America. Like, yeah. it's it all the same way. You know what I mean? Like, we, yeah. we, even if we are married, we still have a hard time identifying with this relationship of Christ, the husband, the wife, the children. And also, that has been taken with with feminism as being completely and totally outdated that's completely and totally wrong. Like why, why would you submit to your husband? You know what I mean? It's, it's this pride. Yeah. You don't and, want to and submit to anything, but the husband doesn't want to submit to God. Yes. Right? So, right. Children don't want to submit to parents. You don't, it's just all about submission and like, that's bad. That's a bad word. That submission that, oh, that what you can't even think that that's terrible. It's all about you and what you think is right. Self-actualization, self-help, <laughs> the god of self is idolatry yep. you know and that's and to, applied you know to kind of talk about we go back to that what you're talking about with feminism too is that like like solomon was saying there is a tendency to to have a, a bigotry towards towards uh, homosexuality in the church there's also a tendency in the church for men to use the submission idea as a, a free reign to be a bad husband if that makes sense. Right. So the right. same way that we, that the church kind of gives homosexuality credence when we do say things like when we do show bigotry towards them, uh, bad husbands give feminism ammunition when they're bad husbands. Like, well, of course you wouldn't want to submit to somebody who's an abusive person. Like, why would you? They're not going to treat you the way they should. And th that's another issue of like, well, my identity is my authority. Like yeah. my masculinity is my identity. My, my, my identity is built around this idea of like what a man is supposed to be. Again, not a biblical view of what a man is supposed to be, but this idea of being like strong and not taking anybody's crap. And I'm, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm a man. That's my identity. And that's another thing that needs to be laid at the foot of the cross. Yeah. As right. well. And another, another thing that leads into such the problem that we have with lack of biblical fathers and not only the chaos that it's caused in this area, but in every other area of this country and in the world. I mean, the fathers have such an important role and so much. I mean, I know that we all have responsibility, but a father has, I don't want to say the utmost responsibility, but he is the minister of his household. He is the one that's leading his wife and leading his children. He's the one that, you know, and the wife is also there too. I'm not saying that she isn't. I'm just saying that if, as Christ is leading you, your husband should be leading you as well in the direction of what Christ wants. And that's a huge, huge, huge responsibility. And I know like pastors have a little bit more responsibility. You know, they're more accountable to the word. And the fact that whether it's, homosexuality, whether it's um, abandonment, whether it's divorce, whether it's adultery, the whole family as a unit has been attacked in every single way. Porn. Mm. And it but, causes chaos. I mean, when we talk about fathers too, that's another issue of submission. And like, think about, I don't want to be a father. I have things that I need to do. This isn't fulfilling for me. 
I have dreams and goals that I'm I'm never gonna meet if I give up those to to raise a family. Like that's another right. issue of you do you. Like that that's where we end up. When you do you, we end up with fatherless homes. Yeah. Yeah. Um we're kind of talking about marriage and stuff and how like like kind of putting that in proper context. Um this really good part where uh, Rosario Butterfield says, uh, what good Christians don't realize is that sexual sin is not recreational sex gone overboard. Sexual sin is predatory. It won't be healed by redeeming the context or the genders. Sexual sin must simply be killed. What is left of your sexuality after this annihilation is up to God. But healing to the sexual sinner is death. Nothing more and nothing less. I told my audience that I think too many young Christian fornicators plan that marriage will redeem their sin. Too many young Christian masturbators plan that marriage will redeem their patterns. Too many young Christian internet pornographers think that having legitimate sex will take away the desire to have illicit sex. They're wrong. And the marriages that result from this line of thinking are dangerous places. I know. I told my audience, I told my audience why over 50% of Christian marriages end in divorce. Because Christians act as though marriage redeems sin. Mm. Marriage does not redeem sin. Only Jesus himself can do that. The audience seemed a little shocked to hear this. <laughs> but it's true. I think we do kind of like see it as like, well, let me just get married and that'll kind of solve every sort of, because then it's, you know, or just, oh, you're in a, a homosexual relationship, just marry a, a right, the right gender, you know? Right. And like, that's not what we're talking, that's not it. You're, it doesn't kill sexual sin, mm-hmm. you know? That's, right. not, that's not what does it. It's, it's Jesus changing your heart through and through. These deals of identity, issues of pride and the causal sins that that come out of that which are which a lot of times are any sort of sexual sin sexual morality and that's i mean there's that too that we uh, we touched on a little bit we do define ourselves by our relationships too like if your identity becomes i'm a father it's like okay well what do you do when you're not satisfied with that anymore or if your identity is oh i'm a husband what do you do when that marriage isn't satisfying you anymore you yeah. decide to stop being a husband and find a new identity now. That, and a lot of times, I think we do. Yeah. Or she, or, yeah. or someone or someone dies. Like, right. You know, like things can just happen. Your wife could die. It's like, okay, there goes my identity. Like that's it. <laughs> you know. And it, we're we're so deep rooted in identity. It's like if I cannot express myself mm. in this orientation or in this identity or this thing, then I will die. Like that's that. It, it, that can go. It's like someone's job. Like, if I cannot do this job, I will kill myself. It's like, okay, that's an identity problem. And that's a, what, you know, you're putting way too much faith and hope in this job, in, in this, right. in this, in your family, in whatever it is, your identity. And these are, those are all temporal things that, are, that, that point to you, right? And we, we should be putting our identity in Christ and that point, because that points to him and, and, the Bible. So, yeah. I mean, but part of that does, and, you know, I don't think it can be understressed that part of the the problem, part of the responsibility for that does kind of lay at the feet of the church for kind of checking out of culture as a whole. Yeah. Like we, when we talk about these kind of things, we're talking about different worldviews. We're talking about different anthropologies and it's one that we don't put out there enough. Like when, when somebody doesn't find fulfillment in, in a thing, it's like, well, of course you didn't. You wouldn't. That's not how this works. 
and then present them the thing that does have fulfillment ultimately, the thing that you were meant, meant for actually. But we don't really do that. We, we just kind of, that's our thing. We stay over here. We're not engaging. We're not, we're not meeting people where they are, I guess. We're, we're hoping they'll come to us. We're, we're right. hoping that we can coerce them in a church. We're hoping that we can, you know, if we have a, a good enough presentation, if we have enough activities, if we have enough whatever that we'll, we'll walk them in. And eventually if they come to us, then it'll start going as opposed to like the, the actual work, which is like, no, go out there and, and meet them there. Right. I, I don't know. There's, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if Solomon was talking about it. <laughs> so when, when we talk about abandoning culture, I kind of want to talk about the rainbow a little bit because that's kind of the big thing right now with pride month is like everything is a rainbow. And there's this, this, this kind of, it's the perfect picture for me of the church abandoning culture is the idea that the rainbow is representative of pride month, right? Like nobody questions that anymore. Nobody has any kind of thought about that anymore. If you have a rainbow, we know what it stands for. That's what it means. Yeah. But really like we know what a rainbow is and what it's for and what the promise that comes with it, the covenant that was made with all of that. But we just kind of gave it up. Like we just don't use it. We don't talk about it. It's not that it's that it's that thing now. It's not ours anymore. They can have it. And well, how do you how do you use that in the context of Noah and like the promise not to flood the earth again? I mean, in a day to day basis as Christians and culture. Well, I think it's it goes back to the idea of mercy and kind of the idea that we what we deserve, because mm -hmm. God didn't promise not to destroy the earth because Noah was unsinful. He didn't promise that not to destroy the earth because there wasn't going to be sin anymore he totally did it graciously out of his own mercy. Yeah. So it should be a reminder that, that of, of what we actually deserve. Like, uh, I think Bodhi Balcom's the one that says, you know, are, are you aware that his grace is what's keeping you alive right now? Because his justice should have killed you in your sleep. <laughs> like that rainbow is a reminder that the, the penalty we deserve yeah, is that's death, true. but the mercy of God is that he doesn't give that to us, that he's gracious. Yeah. And what we've done instead with it is we, we've just, you know, abandoned it completely and it's become a uh, symbol of pride. Like you said, yeah. like it's pride now. It's like, it's just flipped completely. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's like, we want justice. It's like, uh, no, you don't. Like <laughs> you, don't. Yeah, you really don't. <laughs> That's bad. Right? Well, and that goes to like, oh, only God can judge me. It's like, have you read that thing? <laughs> like that should terrify you. Like you, yeah. you, should, you should hope for my judgment, mm. right? Like who am I? I'm not, you know, I'm going to condemn you. I'm going to judge. Okay. What is that? But oh, only God could have was like, have you seen how God judges people in his standard of his word? Like <laughs> that's, yeah. that's way worse. Bro. That's I way mean, that's the, that's the Ray comfort thing, right? Like showing you what you actually deserve. Just, you know, that, <laughs> so, into, in five seconds, it could turn into a, <laughs> a, a murderer, an adulteress, and a thief. <laughs> like, oh man, yeah, I guess so. So, what do you what yeah. do you think about this? Because this is kind of interesting. Because this is a new thing: social media contributing to identity issues. Mm. Uh, well, think about um, it. I mean, think about think about the amount of whether it's LGBT, whether it's any any person who. And this may not be where she was going with it, but who has a huge social media following? Like, 
you put, you know, somebody that posts a picture and they're like, yes, love, love wins. You do you, you, you be happy. You know, it's a confirmation, 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 confirmation. You know, somebody who is in the LGBT community posts a picture of him and his boyfriend or his girlfriend. Everyone's like, oh, y'all look so cute together. You look so perfect. I'm so glad you're happy. There's no, um, it's almost like where, like where. You can create this little picture of yourself, right? Right. Well, and, where, I mean, and where does God's where does where does the line of God's standard where is it drawn? Well, it's it, it's back there. If you want to be part of polite society, like you don't get to, right. you can be part of polite society or you can live by God's standard, but you don't get to do both, right? right. So, like the 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 rainbow logo for whatever Instagram account that's the that's the pinch of incense. That's like the hey, I'm doing the the required, yeah, you know. And when you know when I, if I post something anti this i'm doing my my two minutes hate or my five minutes hate like i'm, I'm doing the required thing in order yeah. to be part of society don't cancel me please don't cancel me. yeah, yeah. And right. kind of that but like you're saying too solomon like we all know social media is a lie nobody's instagram account is their real life like we all are aware of that but it still has this weird effect on us where we think it is and like we kind of try to live up to these standards of these fake instagram accounts there was yeah. a there was a lady who showed the kind of work that goes into that where she booked uh, over a month, she was going to post pictures, pre-planned out pictures over the month to like, you know, get the right kind of thing. So she did two weeks of photo shoots. It's all staged, like none of it's real, but you just spread them out over the month and it gets you the maximum number of likes and everybody thinks you have this perfect life. And it allows you to put up, it allows you to put together a public identity that in no way is you in any way. Right. Yeah. But I think it goes further back than that. I think it goes back to like, I, I had a coworker once who was, uh, God, how much, like eight years younger than me. She was 19. Uh, and I was, I was trying to understand influencer culture because I don't get it. Like, I don't understand why anybody would want to be an influencer. So I, I kind of asked like, Money. well, that's, I don't think that's it. Cause I asked her, I was like, what's the, what's the reason? Like, why would you want to be an influencer? Cause she was actively trying to be an influencer. And so I was like, why would you want to do that? And for her, it was to be known. Like the idea that a lot of people would know who you are and think that you matter. That's what oh, they're at. Yeah. But famous in a way, like validating. Yeah. Yeah. And I, think, and I think that's what a lot of our issues boil down to is we want to be known. It's just that we want to be known by everyone else except for Jesus. Yeah. Well, because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't let you have your fake identity. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. Your, your identity is him, like right. not you. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Darren Doan talked. To, if you guys don't know Darren Doan, he's he's <laughs> he's a little unrefined, but he's really good on on stuff. Uh, he he was talking about how a lot of times with Christianity, we have deep pockets that we come to it with, and the stuff in the top of your pockets is easy to do. Like it's easy to get rid of the music. That's fine. I can get rid of the music that I shouldn't be listening to. I can get rid of the TV shows that I shouldn't be listening to but our pockets are real deep and we have stuff buried way down there and God wants it all. Like all of yeah. it has to go. You don't get to keep any of it. You have to get rid of everything. And we don't like that. Even, even as Christians, we want to hold on to this a little bit like this, this piece, I want to keep this one. Yeah. We don't need to get rid of that one. Right. That one's okay. And it's like, no, it's everything. It's if, if you want to, if you want to keep your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life, you'll find it. Yeah. Right. Can you put that last comment up there? Because I kind of wanted to say yes. something about this. 
for sure. The tolerance movement. And I think, and I think that to a certain standard, tolerance has to be a thing, but right. hear me out, hear me out. It has to be tolerant as in yeah. not, not tolerance. Like, well, I sin, you sin, we all sin as long as we're happy, but tolerance is in like, listen, I love you. I care for you. I want better for you. This is what Christ has in store for you. I, you know, I want this for you. I want this kind of bonding for you. I want this kind of relationship for you. I want you to be able to have your own children and experience the love that you get from a child. I want you to, to tolerate them like in a way that you want better for them and you want more for them. And you want the things that Christ can give them, not so much as tolerance of the lifestyle. Like I, I I'm tolerant of the lifestyle in the means of don't cut off relationship. You know what I mean? Like right. don't cut off relationship, be tolerant in the ma- in the mind of like, do not, do not discount somebody because they are gay. Yeah. Right. Tolerate them, love them, have a relationship with them, but express to them what you want in their life, what you, what they have the option of receiving in Christ. And not right. so much of, well, I'll just tolerate it because I'm a sinner too. And I'm, I was big time guilty of that. Well, I mean, Christianity has the only meaningful definition of tolerance. Like that's the, the biblical idea is as much as it depends on you, as much as, as it's in your ability, be at peace with all men. Right. Like, but, but the world's idea of tolerance is acceptance. It's not the same thing, right? Yeah. Like, it, you can't, it's, it's, well, and also, so there's this really good book called, um, the Intolerance of Tolerance by D.A. Carson. And in that, he talks about old tolerance and new tolerance. Right. So old tolerance is we disagree on our worldviews and our beliefs, but your worldviews at least have a right to exist. Right. right. This is what you believe, and you believe that I don't, and, or we don't know, you know, but that you, you have a right, that idea has a right to exist. New tolerance is that belief in right does not have a right to exist, and we will cancel you and shut you down and just and so there's no back and forth. There's no uh, let's let's take these two ideas, put them against each other, and see kind of which one makes more sense to how we can rationalize these things and have a rational discourse. Right? It's no. If you believe this, then you're in that box, and that right. box cannot be tolerated. It needs to be thrown out, and you're canceled. You're done. You're gone. There's no justice. There's no forgiveness. There's no grace. There's no tolerance really it, it is the intolerance of that like you can't exist you have to cease yeah. existing your okay. ideas and also, everything and that also goes for the lgbt community my my sister is somebody who dates the same sex and i cannot tell you the amount of times that she has told me the lgbt LGBT community frustrates her because they continually scream, I want to be tolerated. I want to be accepted. I want to be accepted at the same time as pushing this idea that, but I don't accept your beliefs. You need to accept mine, but I don't accept yours. And that could go further than the LGBT community. Like we've been talking about, it all stems from our pride. It all stems from our um, depraved flesh and, you know, our self, but that's a big thing of, I, I yeah. want you to be tolerant, but I don't want to be tolerant of you. Well, it's That's, there's a good, there's a hang on, there's a good like uh, as we're on top of like this is perfect exactly what uh, we're talking about. Rosario Butterfield says, uh, even as Ken, the, the pastor, prayed for my soul, he did it in a way that welcomed me into the church rather than made me a scapegoat of Christian fear or an example of what not to become. It says Ken stressed that he accepted me as a lesbian, 
but that he didn't approve of me as a lesbian. He held that line firmly, and I appreciated that. You Can know, you say that but, one more time? You kind of cut out. He accepted me as a lesbian, but he didn't what? Yeah, he uh, can stress stress that he accepted me as a lesbian, but that he didn't approve of me as a lesbian. He held that line firmly, and I appreciated that. Right. So there's that tolerance of ideas of like, look, I'm accepting you and inviting you. Um, but that's, there has to but be there's some, so much yeah. more, so much more for you. Well, I mean, that's that. the ramifications of cultural Marxism. Like in a, in a postmodern world where there is no God and we're all star stuff and nothing has any meaning. Like, what do you latch onto to give yourself meaning and identity, whatever your ideas are. So you when create you create your own meaning, that's right. what it is. So when I don't accept your ideas, it's not as simple as like, well, my philosophy clashes with yours. Let's hash that. It's like, no, you're attacking my identity and you're not allowed right. to do that. You're invalidating who I am. That's that's what we're dealing with when we talk about tolerance is, is there's no separation between the person and their idea. It's like, no, the idea is me. That's yeah. who I am and you're attacking yeah. me. That is the, yes, that is that I, identity. If you're against Islam, you're against me. Right, right, because I am Islam, right? Right. right, and that's and that's how it is. And I, I mean, do y'all feel that way with Christianity? As far as like, oh, someone's anti-Christian, some anti-God. Do you feel like they're anti-you in that way? And should you? Should we identify so closely? Like, I understand. Like, we don't want to be offended and just like write people off or like feel personally attacked by everything. But if someone is like coming at you with or coming at christianity with like real blasphemous you know just terrible things uh, against christianity is it like you feel a personal attack in that and should you as a christian identifying in christ i mean i would say no. i would say i don't like but it's like well i don't know it, it, because a lot of times they're attacking what's the american gospel the non-christian you know something that's not christian they're attacking ned flanders like i'm not personally attacked because that's not what christianity is Right, but if I don't know if they attack the Bible, I guess I get a little bit more like personally, like mm -hmm. that's where I find my whole identity and my whole meaning of everything. So, but it's not. I guess I don't feel personally attacked because it's not just for me; it's for the world and it's for you. And it's that that's that's the truth that exists, and I identify with that, and I and I put myself under that. But I, it's not me, right? Because I'm not. The, again, that kind of makes it about you if you're offended by someone attacking your identity, well, that's that identity is you. I'm not the Bible, but identify with the Bible in Christ. I don't know. It's kind of a hard thing. It's like, should we feel personally attacked in that? If we're, if we're supposed to identify with Christ, you know, and they're attacking your identity. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I yeah. feel like that kind of ties in with the fact of suffering as Christ suffered. Like mm. Christ, I'm sure, I'm sure felt attacked. He felt, you know, completely and totally attacked. And I think that that's part of our suffering to conform us to his image as we identify with him in that area. So, and I, and I wouldn't say everybody does that. I have a friend who's atheist and she's never made me feel attacked ever because of my beliefs. But at the same time, I've had many conversations with atheists who have completely and totally made me feel like they hate me because I'm a Christian. So I don't know. I think I it could go both ways. For me, p part of it is, <sighs> kind of reading how they're coming at you with it when it's like, oh, well, you're, when it's like Christianity is intolerant and your God is a fairy tale. It's like, okay, you're not shooting at me. You're shooting past me because it's not, I'm not the problem. You're, you're mad at the thing that I believe in. Like, that's yeah. what you're mad at. So in, in one sense, I'm not offended because like they should be mad at that thing because it's telling them that they have a problem with sin and we love our sin. So of course you have a problem with that thing. 
um, when it when it is something like, oh, well, you're personally you are rude and you're this. It's like, well, maybe you do have a problem with me, and maybe I am the problem in this situation. But I, personally, for me, I've I've never understood cancel culture or, or things like that because I like a lot of artists and musicians and stuff who would be completely opposed to everything I believe in, but I still appreciate what they make and what they do, right? Like it's just kind of the exchange of ideas. Like, okay, we don't agree on stuff, but I can appreciate what you do. The, the, where it comes down to it with Christianity is because Christianity is like, well, you have to deny yourself. You have to submit. And like you said, those are two things that we will not do. We won't deny ourselves and we won't submit to anyone, much less God. Like, it's it's uh, it's Pharaoh when Moses says that the Lord said to let his people go. And he says, who is the Lord that I, sh- that I should hear his voice? Like, who does he think he is that I have to bend the knee to him? Mm. That's that's the world. So, like, I'm not personally offended so much at that because it's like you're not mad at me. Anybody standing here, you would have the same reaction to yeah. if they were saying the same thing. It's yeah. it's the idea. There, there are times when, when someone says something or, or I see someone post something about Christianity and it's like <laughs> like a good friend or something. Like, what a stupid piece of, you know, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut because that's <laughs> come after me. But yeah, um, there's really another good section. I'm sorry, this book is so freaking good. Every, every Christian <laughs> should read this. Like seriously, um, she says uh, being a lesbian was a case of mistaken identity. This became an intriguing and important paradigm for me, and even though I am no longer a lesbian, I am still a sinner. I'm redeemed, but still fallen, and sin is sin. I believe that the Lord is more grieved by the sins of my current life than by my past life as a lesbian. How did the Lord heal me? The way that he always heals. The word of God got to be bigger inside me than I. My natural inclination was to resist, so like a reflex, I did this. God's people surrounded me, not to manipulate, not to badger, but to love and to listen and to watch and to pray. And eventually, instead of resisting, I surrendered. And that's what it is. Like, I love that. How did the Lord heal me? The way that he always healed anyone. The, the word of God got to be bigger inside me than I. And that is, like, you, you have this idol of yourself mm. that, that is creating your whole identity and whole pride of everything. And that needs to come down and be replaced by God. It's, it's the overtaking of that, of 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 scripture yeah, show we'll, her that book yeah she just flash the cover on this is secret thoughts of an unlikely convert by rosaria butterfield she's has she has other books and stuff too and she's written a lot of articles and things and she's done a lot of uh, radio interviews too so you can find yeah her. She, she's, she's really out good. there super solid stuff um yeah secret thoughts of an unlikely convert i don't i don't know if this is her first book she ever wrote about this or i don't know i can't i'm not sure but she she has few books i think and one of the things she said that we really like we wanted to stress that resonated with us that rosario talks about how the the goal is not gay to straight like that's not enough the goal is lost to found and that sounds like such a i I know that sounds (laughs) like such a cheesy churchy thing to say just like oh i hate the sin not the sin you know i hate like okay like that's first of all you know Jacob, I've loved Esau, I've hated. So there right. is a precedent of God hating sinners. Right. Um, but that's not a tent. It's not, you know, we're love our neighbor. Who's your neighbor? The Samaritan, right? And everyone is your neighbor. We're to love everyone. Um, so there's no 
mix up on that. Um, but yeah, uh, lost to found. And again, this puts the 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 the, the ground is is, le is equal at the foot of the cross. Yes. There's no higher, closer than, or morally like it's again. We've all dealt with pride. We all have an identity idolatry that we need to deal with. And that's that. Right. I mean, I, I hope that's the main thing we're t we're talking about tonight. Is that this is not about homosexuality, is an abomination, or like whatever, like you know, other bullcrap, fire and brimstone TV preacher you've heard. Like, just please remove that and get that out because that is not the biblical Christian view, traditional historical Christian view of all this. And and Rosario Butterfield, someone who has been through that more than anyone and knows that. Um, is talking about these things as as identity, as pride, as as those idols that that are the main, the root cause, root sin of all sexual immorality, all sexual sin, and, and every other sort of your causal sins. Right? It's not the right. thing. You're worse than me. Right? No. It's kind of like we need to all. do a better. We need to do a better, better job of making it clear that we identify as sinners with them. Like yeah. with the LGBT communities, we identify as sinners. We identify with pride. We identify with the urges of the flesh, just like they do. And we mm. and we do not see ourselves on a pedestal greater than they are. We see ourselves as in need of Christ and His save, saving grace on our life, in ours and in theirs. We are just like you said. There's common ground. Like we are all here, and we all need Christ just as much as each other. Mm. Yeah. The thing about pride too, though, is that it's not just the one that spurs on other sins, but it also helps us cover other sins, right? Like, I, I, I kind of think that we all think we have this one big issue that we have to deal with. Like, I have this, this is my struggle, as if you only have one struggle, right? Like, as if yeah. today, uh, we were at Goodwill today, and I wanted to kick this dude in the back of the head, because uh, the masks are optional, right? Oh man! Oh. I know. I'm getting into here, it. Here we go. Master optional at Goodwill now, so I have it in my pocket. But I was like, "Well, if I don't have to wear it. I don't want to. It's uncomfortable. I don't like it. My mustache gets all everywhere. It's a, it's a problem." So we're in line. Nobody's giving me any guff about anything. Everybody's cool. Nobody's doing anything. And we're in line, and uh, the guy in front of us is like, "Do you guys have a policy requiring people to wear masks?" And uh, the cashier lady was like, well, I'm not really requiring. It's just kind of suggested. I mean, we kind of help. We kind of recommend it. And he's like, I've seen like five people, you know, walking around wearing, not wearing masks. And he wasn't talking about me specifically, but my pride was like, I'm right here, man. What, what are we going to talking like, about me? What's what yeah. yeah. bro? He's kind of looking at you like, you have a policy? Yeah. All right, looking. <laughs> but I mean, if someone asked, I would be like, no, I don't have a, I don't have an anger problem. I'm fine. <laughs> like, no, you yeah. do. You snap all right. the time. How would you not? Yeah. Your pride covers that too. Like, yeah. well, that's you not trying to defend problem. yourself and trying to like right. my rights and my right, right exactly. My prince, my right. And my <laughs> yeah. well, that's you're American before you're Christian. Most exactly. Of the time, right? That's it's, that patriotic idolatry. I got the bill of rights gives me life. So let right. me ask you guys this because I we talked I talked about it with some friends a little bit when uh, Kaepernick was doing his whole thing and when he wouldn't stand for the the uh, national anthem or whatever. Or, you know, as Christians, how should we feel about things like the Pledge of Allegiance? Give or take. 
like, I don't know. like Pledge of Allegiance, like, okay, like this is where I live, and I think we've gotten <laughs> a lot of things right. I think we've also gotten a lot of things wrong. So as far mm -hmm. as like, I'm going to defend America. I mean, I'll defend my home, and I'll defend my family. Uh, but should you pledge allegiance to your country? To the flag. But what kind of allegiance yeah. is it? It's like uh, of like. What does that mean? Am I saying I'll do is, something? Is there really more than one type of allegiance? In right, the right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> allegiance. Well, okay. So what does allegiance mean in the Christian worldview? Like pick up your cross and die to yourself daily. And I pledge allegiance to Christ and the Bible. Well, so can you, can you, can you do that as well as pledge allegiance to your country? Can you be, can you, what is the definition of right. allegiance? What do you, what was the biblical Let's view of, the allegiance Listen, like commitment <laughs> or like because i can commit to a job and not feel like i'm worshiping it i guess right, but you wouldn't pledge allegiance you don't go into work and they make you pledge allegiance to the company right <laughs> or yeah what do you think about allegiance like, like i, 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 I agreed to come and committed to do my job like right but if, if you quit it's not treason right like it's not <laughs> They don't pay you, but somebody else will, and nobody gets mad about it. I think you can't quit America. Like, you're just born here. Like, that's... Right, but that's kind of the attitude. Like, when Kaepernick didn't want to stand for the anthem, they were like, oh, you're un-American. Like, Yeah, they were like, how dare you? We're like, wait a second. I thought America was... This was my thought. I'm like, wait a second. If America is based on freedom and doing what you want to do, and we all pride ourselves on that, yeah. then why are we so upset that he's choosing to do something that we don't want him to do? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that is true. Like, I think, look, I, in, in any situation like this of, like, is that right? Is that, you know, like a, like a civil, governmental, American, you know, national quandary like this? I always think uh, err on the side of freedom. Like, what, what gives the person the most freedom to do what they feel convicted or compelled to do right. for themselves? I'll lean that way every time. And if that, and that, that would be let Kaepernick do whatever and – you know, but then it's like, okay, then we have a right to criticize. Just like if I do something, right. somebody has a right to criticize me, you know, or if I, what, I can kind of understand as far as like a disrespect thing, like kind of what Drew Brees was saying, but I don't think Kaepernick is thinking in his head, I'm going to disrespect the troops right now. Right. Like the troops, because my dad, you know, was in Afghanistan and stuff. So like I have some like, you know, personal thing with that, but I don't think he was thinking, I'm disrespecting the truth. I think he's thinking there's a problem in our country right now mm. and I'm going to bring attention to it, which is like, sure. Yeah. Like that's what peaceful, that's what protest is like. Yeah. Well, the irony of that Go too is it, it's, it's reverse cancel culture, right? Like this time it was the right who was like, that's our identity and you're not honoring it. So we cancel you. Like you don't get to play football anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, okay. So if my job, and that, that is another thing that was uh, the place of his employment. Right. Right. He wasn't, it wasn't in the front yard and, and kneeling. He was on the job. He was on the right, clock. Right. right. And so that's a disloyal. Like, think about your work, your job. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make a political statement at my work. Well, if, like, especially well, as a Christian, if my political statements or whatever don't match, they have every right to fire me. Here's right? where it gets, or whatever. Here's where it gets, dirty. Like, here's where it gets dirty. Uh, prior to that, a few years prior to that, the players were not on the field for the national anthem. They were in the mm -hmm. locker room until it was over. The reason that the players started being on the field is because the army decided it would be kind of a cool recruitment tool to have players out on the field pledging, you know, being patriotic. Yeah. So they kicked the NFL a little money to kind of make that happen. Well, I mean, it's, it's different. It's so weird because there's like a, a element of fame and, 
and publicity and stuff with like a professional athlete than like my job or whatever. Like if I went to work and I like did a political statement or put some banner like something, then you know it's like that's not what I'm here to do. That's right. not what I'm. You know, I'm not. I'm not coming to clocking in so I can express my political ideas. Well, and on some right. level, nobody cares what you do at work. Like to the extent that he does. Like they're not like, oh, everybody sees Solomon. It's like, what do you go back to work? I know, but it's like, what do you? How does it? What does it have to do with your job? Right. Right. What does it have to do with working at you know your desk and doing your job? What does it have to do with uh, playing football? You know, nothing. Okay, then what are we doing? Like what? You know, and so does the employer have a right to fire that person for doing that? I think of myself, yeah. Like if I make a political statement at work, and it's like this isn't what we're paying you to do, and you're you're using time and resources maybe or whatever to to make a political statement, uh, we we don't agree with you, and we're gonna. I don't know. It's just weird. Is it? And it also depends on what that political statement is. Because if it's the right political statement, then <laughs> yay, what a hero, you know. Well, that's what everybody else is doing. You know, the right political right. statement. Yeah. Right. Just has to. You better hope that political statement lines up with your employer. If it doesn't, <laughs> then I'm probably gonna fire you. you well, know? if the NFL is getting money from you know the army recruiters uh, branch, maybe <laughs> it's not the best idea. Well, right. if people are turning off their TVs and not watching football because you're doing that, then it's like, well, now you're costing the business money with your political statements. And it's like, so then do we have a cause, a logical cause to fire you? Uh, maybe, but but that, uh, I think that's different than like the right to protest for, for a, a person, you know? And I don't know, it's just, it's, you know. I don't know, the whole thing, it really just kind of kicked it out. Freedom, individual freedom <laughs> in the workplace, whatever lands on that, like do what you want to do, libertarian freedom. As long as you can do your job. Yeah, sure. I mean, the whole thing, it just kicked off the idea in my head, like, the whole, like, the Pledge of Allegiance. Like, it is kind of a weird thing that we just kind of do and don't really think about. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's strange. It's strange to me a little bit more now. Like, I, I just don't know what allegiance means in that context. It says allegiance, loyalty or commitment of a subordinate to a superior or of an individual to a group or a cause. So can you be loyal and committed to a, more than one subordinate? Like in, in this in this sense, you would be the subordinate, and the yeah. United States would be the superior. That I would you that's pledging correct in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm sub, I'm subordinate to a lot of the laws, to right. I mean, traffic law. Like I mean, what are you talking about? Like yeah. Yeah, but no one's like, do you pledge allegiance to the traffic law? Like, what's well, the <laughs> law? It's, it's the government. It's the, it's the I pledge allegiance to the stop sign. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's weird, man. It's well, a weird you, thing. It, by stopping, you are, right? And you can say, well, I don't play at least nothing. And then just plow right through. <laughs> well, what are you talking about here? Like, yeah, I'm a subordinate. Like, you have power over me. So uh, I would say, yeah, you know, I mean, the whole Romans 13 thing of, like, respect authority and mm -hmm. comply with authority. And if America was ever like, it's illegal to be a Christian, it's like, okay, well, yeah, obviously, I'm not going to pledge allegiance to that. Right. I don't think I'm pledging allegiance to that. I think I'm pledging allegiance to, like, if China invaded us, I would defend the country. Sure. Yeah, I'll pledge allegiance to do that. I'm going to sit back and see who's winning, and then I'll decide. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I'll go with the winner. Yeah, Solomon definitely said, you do you. He <laughs> 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 <You> did. <laughs> He's a libertarian. Freedom. And talk about how it's an unbiblical worldview. And <laughs> you do you. <laughs> do what you want to do. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying... 
<laughs> what are you saying, Solomon? <laughs> I'm not saying. I, I say you should have the freedom to do right or wrong in this in in, for, in, a, in a national civilian government context. <laughs> now it's like, oh, it, so should someone have the freedom to spout racist things that I disagree with? You know, I disagree. I think they're wrong and hateful and evil. But do they have a right to say it? It's the whole tolerance thing. Does your idea have a right to exist? You know, right. yes or no? Okay, well, is that saying you do you? No, but that's just saying like we should have some. <laughs> your ideas have a right to exist. <laughs> They're wrong and evil, but they exist. Kind <laughs> a weird detour. It was just in my head. <laughs> yeah, I do. I want to get to this. I want to. I want to talk touch on this point because as a kind of wind up, I think this might be a good place to land. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, Rosario Butterfield, she. Had a lot of she, she, you know, like I said, she was like the the gay alliance champion at, at Syracuse University, and, and that was her work. That was her identity. It was her world, and she would constantly have uh, gay and trans people over for dinner and host people constantly different things. And she had a, a transgender friend, um, Jay. She had a dear friend of mine who lives full time in drag. She's all biologically male, but lives fully time as a woman and has taken female hormones for long enough that that he is now chemically castrated. So I was in the kitchen and Jay came in to help. She told me point blank that all this Bible reading was changing me. So this is after she was reading the Bible, kind of talking with the pastor and stuff. Uh, she told me point blank that all this Bible reading was changing me and she wanted to know before any more pasta could be served or wine glasses filled, what was going on in my life. At first I denied it, but she pressed. Finally I said, what would you say if I told you that I'm beginning to believe that Jesus is real, is a real and risen and loving and judging Lord, and that I'm in big trouble. She sat down at the kitchen stool, exhaled deeply, took my small hands in her large ones, and said, Rosaria, I know that Jesus is a risen and living Lord. I was a Presbyterian minister for 15 years, and during that time, I prayed that the Lord would heal me. He didn't, but maybe he'll heal you. I'll pray for you. And uh, yeah, it's an incredible thing. And then a few pages later, she's kind of still talking about this identity and things. says, my transgendered friend's words were still weighing heavily upon my heart. Who is this Jesus that he heals some but not others? Is it right to pray for healing when from the Bible's perspective, I was to, was to repent from my sin? Does God hear prayers that are not construed in the, in the terms he lays out in the Bible? Yeah. If Jesus is the living word, can we pray through him if we do not follow him as our Savior and Lord? These questions weighed hard on me. That night I prayed and asked God if the gospel message was for someone like me too. I viscerally felt the living presence of God as I prayed. Jesus seemed present and alive. I knew that I was not alone in my room. I prayed that if Jesus was truly a real and risen God, that he would change my heart. And if he was real, and if I was his, I prayed that he would give me the strength of mind to follow him and the character to become a godly woman. I prayed for the strength of character to repent for a sin that at the time didn't feel like sin at all. It felt like life, plain and simple. I prayed that if my life was actually his life, that he would take it back and make it what he wanted it to be. I asked him to take it all, my sexuality, my profession, my community, my tastes, my books, and my tomorrows. Wow. And that's that. That's really what it comes down to. Take it all. Like, is that that's everything? That's every person, every lost person being found. That's everybody. 
and it, that's the equality of, of the foot of the cross. There's no further from, there's no worse than, there's no anything. It, that's what it all comes, take my world apart, take everything. I'm laying everything out, whatever that means, I'm surrendering. And it is that posture of surrender and just receiving grace and repenting of everything. And, and, that, and, and ultimately, anyone coming to Christ has to say, God cannot take away my identity, finding my identity in my job. Christ cannot, is not bigger than these feelings that I have that I feel are so right. Christ cannot take away, whatever it comes down to, every person has to come to that point where they're going to say that or they're not. Mm-hmm. They're going to say, God is bigger than X, Y, and Z, or no, this is who I am, this is my identity. And this God, I don't care what you say, I don't care what the Bible says, I'll never not feel this way. Mm. And that, that's, a, that's a rebellion or a repentance. Mm. Yeah. You know? And it's kind of just taking this perspective of instead of saying you do you, do as you want, completely and totally submitting to God and tell him, like, do as you will. Do mm. as you will with my life mm-hmm. and change me. Yeah. His will, not ours. Mm. And all of us can identify with that, whether LGBT or not. Yes, yes, that's exactly. <laughs> All of us can 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 identify with that surrender of like, look, this is just beyond me. Like, I don't have right. it. I don't have the answers in this. I just need to give this up. Everything. Right. Take this right. desire. Yeah. It's not like we don't think that's hard either. Yeah. Like the reality, that is hard. That's painful. It it's, yeah. it doesn't feel good. Yeah. When it's happening, you know. Right. I think we're cavalier about that a lot too, as, as American Christians. Just that idea of like, well, just stop. Like, well, yeah. if I if I could, I would, but it hurts, and I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. That was one part too, where she said, like, I didn't choose God. God chose me, mm. and it wasn't pretty. <laughs> 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 you know, like that, and that's true. That's how it always is for everybody. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Well, good place to end on that one. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, we hope it was. I mean, we in all things, we hope that you felt love and out of this. More yeah. Than, you know. We want to take these things seriously. We want to be compassionate and level-headed uh, about these things. Um, we shouldn't. That, that, that this should not be just a jokey and eh, whatever. You know, this these these are serious issues with that people are seriously dealing with. Um, and I mean identity and pride and everything. Um, yeah, the God of self, all these things. Uh, yeah, so. So, yeah, I mean, until next week, um, thanks for joining us. Thanks for interacting. We'll see you guys. Uh, in the meantime, fight the fight. If you haven't had that discussion yet, you know, be honest with yourself. Look at what you're holding on to still and, and pray to let it go. And your friends of ours, hit us up. Text yep, me, please. call me, call whoever, call Julian, call Abby. You know, let's have a real conversation for sure. Oh, better guys. See ya. Bye guys.